0: Happy New Year, everybody! Welcome to episode fifty-five of the Horror Dads Podcast. Today, we are going to talk about the top ten horror phone calls we would hate to
1: receive. What's up, John? What's going on, man? Happy New Year, buddy. Same to you, dude. Uh, it's kind of been weird because we haven't we haven't recorded since prior to Christmas, right? Yeah, I feel like we have a ass load of shit to catch up on. Uh- <laughs> We, we do have an ass load of shit to catch up on. So we thought this would be a fun one because one of our favorite films is Scream and the newest installment of that movie comes oh, out next week, man. Dude. So, so you and I are, uh, we subscribe to
0: the model of safety and protection and not going out too often in public unless you have to, but oh, in the, I think in we've the all, COVID world, yeah. Even our, you and our wives are both like, yeah, no, we're going. To no, the we're going theater. to scream, Yeah.
1: Yeah. If, if they were like, oh, look, you have to watch this one naked. I'd be like, all right,
0: you know, yeah. what? whatever. Wear a mask over my junk. Good to go. <laughs>
1: whatever is
0: required. We <laughs> are in. Um, oh man. I cannot fucking wait. Dude, are do you, are you worried about being disappointed at all? No. Yeah. But I, I
1: mean, that comes with like, even with Halloween, it's like. I, my bar. I, I don't care. My bar is at my shins yeah. and I. So it can only go up. Um, I can't remember who we were. T- I think I was talking to Chris Obert, our buddy. Yeah. Uh, and patron. I think he said he's super excited about it. He's like, I just, I set the bar low and I'm not going to allow myself to like be for sure. disappointed. And I, I, I'm going with the same logic on that. So. Yeah, and that's precisely what we did with Halloween. Yeah. yeah. And I, I was not disappointed. No. You know, I wasn't thrilled, but I wasn't disappointed. You know, for sure. I was like, oh yeah,
0: I got, I got what I came here for.
1: So now, I still remember
0: us leaving the theater being like,
1: you yeah, know, yeah. we, yeah, that was good. And then that drunk guy screaming at me like, <laughs> I, my, 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 my. I was like, what's that? He was like, uh, yeah, my mouse. yes, you good.
0: I feel like just by the nature of scream and the, <clears throat> you know, the It aspect, I feel like we're more liable to be let down by this than we would be Halloween.
1: Yeah. But Cause Halloween, you kind of know what you're, you getting know what you're to, getting. Yeah. 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 All right, we'll see what they do. I mean, I this this honestly, the person that they said like, "Hey, who wants to direct Scream 5?" would be equivalent to saying like, "Who wants to be president next go around?" Like, yeah, right. Who yeah. wants that job right now? Uh, yeah, so I'm pumped. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, it's like you want it but you don't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you're new to the show, uh thank you for tuning in here. This is going to be a really fun episode, but if you're returning, um You know, you know what to expect. Uh, We are not doing an an interview episode, obviously, so it'll just be Jamie and I. Uh, We are going to volley back and forth. We're going to cover 10 uh, films and 10 phone calls from films that you would not want to receive in the horror genre. But before we do that, we are going to do our intro stuff. We're going to catch up. It's been a minute since you guys have heard from us, and it's been a minute since we've heard from each other. So it's going to be fun, man. Yeah. So before we get into our horror phone calls and do all that, uh, let's talk shop, buddy. What, uh, what have you been watching? So over New Year's, we had the, um,
0: I think that you watch this as well, the Twilight Zone Marathon. It's oh, one I, of those I always tune in and... You just have it on. Yeah. yeah. You just have it on. You just have to have it on. Uh, so my youngest, Riker, who's four, he came in while we were watching it and uh, <clears throat> he was like watching it, you know, and we're like, what the... What the hell? Uh, but then this fucking episode comes on, and it was uh, called "Living Doll." I don't know if you remember this one. I don't. So it's from uh, season five. It's episode six. It's uh, the the main character of the show is a little doll named Talking Tina. Oh God! And uh, the girl gets it for, uh, you know, I don't know why she has it. She got it as a gift or something. But the stepdad hates this fucking doll, and he's like, you know. Throwing the fucking doll across the room. So the doll clearly hates him and like she'll say stuff like uh My name's Talking Tina, I think I hate you. Oh God. Yeah. Shit like that. So Riker for like, you know, the next two days was like, <laughs> My name's Talking Tina. I think I hate you. And it was hilarious, you know. <laughs> One of those things where you're like, Oh god. Man. Um That's but heavy stuff. Yeah. I think we both have to talk about the elephant in the room. Or should I say the Winter Beast in the The room? The Winter Beast in the room? Yeah. Dude. From 1992. That looks like it's from 1974. I have this written
1: on my list as well. Winter (laughs) Beast. So Jamie texted me. I don't know. I feel like it was like three days ago only. (laughs) And I think it was. Mm -hmm, (laughs) Mm -hmm. And he said, Winter Beast is on Amazon. I don't know if that's a good thing. And that's all he said to me. So seven hours later, I texted him and I was like, this is the worst goddamn movie I've ever seen in my life. But I can't look away.
0: Uh, oh, I liked how the text they started coming in. It was like, what is this winter beast? And then it was like <laughs> 7 minutes later it was like, what in the actual fuck is this winter beast? <laughs> so, if you've not heard of
1: this movie, it's a 1992 film that in if you read the description and hear the name of the film, if you like the kind of stuff that we do, you're like, I am so in. In, like yeah. I will invest, like where do I give my money? And then They you, could use some <laughs> <of you> money. <laughs> it like jamie said it came out in nineteen ninety two uh, allegedly but it it straight up looks like it was filmed in the seventies um the production quality's <laughs> that low but it's on sh- i think it's on shutter right it now. is yeah and uh it's about this like uh remote like ski lodge sort of town and all these weird attacks are happening it's basically like jaws the the concept of <laughs> jaws but at a ski lodge and you have this like instead of the mayor you have this like curmudgeonly like ski lodge owner, yeah. Who sounds like uh, in um, oh, dude, I I meant to bring this up in Wet Hot American Summer, yeah. When the guy's doing the stand up shtick at the end, yeah, the very yeah. end during the talent show, and he's like pretending to be like the old New York, right? Yeah, that fuck that guy's voice huh. is that voice. Like if you go back and watch him, it's apples for apples.
0: Yeah, I'll have to compare. Yeah,
1: no, that guy, that guy's my favorite. Oh, d- completely absurd. And you know what's funny about I was gonna
0: mention him is like, there's that one part when he's like, uh, not to give any spoilers on this, but uh, there's a, <laughs> there's that one part where he's like uh, in that little room and he's dancing around, you know what I mean? And he puts that mask on. Well, that's that, when
1: the guy, the guy's observing. And by the yes, way, yes, the guy's wearing the Canadian tuxedo. Yeah. How long could you fucking stand there and watch this? Unfold? You have to leave. You can't stand there for that whole it's, song. You do one of three things. You flee, you confront or, or you
0: call somebody dude. What the fuck? But you I do? found that to be actually kind of effective. What, just him watching? No, just like the guy. That was kind of scary.
1: That was the most frightening part of the movie. Yeah.
0: Because most of it is just fucking laughable. Also, that monster at the end, I'm pretty sure that Lord of the Rings, Peter Jackson stole that
1: that design of that monster for... uh, I mean, that was actually good. But you found out what, what after the fact. The monster costumes came from...
0: So the totem, you know, there's a bunch of different monsters in this one. For some reason. But the totem monster, that one from the beginning... Um, that's the one that was in a docking video, I guess. And I think that skull that burst through the dude's belly, uh, a la alien. I think that was also from a, a docking video, dude, but it, I, I just can't get over what this movie was, what this movie was. And how about the one kill where it's like a uh, celebrity deathmatch style, just like the head gets ripped off and the, yeah, uh, oh,
1: yeah. I mean. If you've not seen this movie, it sounds like we're talking about an inside joke, which this we movie are. basically is. Yeah. So do yourself a favor or do you, do yourself a favor and watch this or do yourself a favor and don't watch it depending on what, what your style. Is.
0: I have to say like I feel like the listeners of our show need to watch it uh just to you would recommend most people who like what we like should watch it, right? Watch it like going into me, it knowing
1: either like if you're gonna watch it by yourself, have a six pack. If you're gonna watch it with with friends, that's the preferred setting, I'd say. Have a keg. Yeah. <laughs> have a kick. It is 100 percent a party
0: film. <laughs> yeah. Like if we were to do a party film episode, this would be on there.
1: Yeah. So <clears throat> I've also been watching through the screams, obviously in preparation for this week. Ooh, yeah. Um but uh we we got the opportunity to um it's okay to plug it now, I think. Um, but Emily Bennett, who was on episode four of the show, uh, way, way, way back when she, um, is in a brand new film with Barbara Crampton, um, who, who some of you may have heard of maybe, maybe, uh, it's called alone with you and it's going to release in theaters in early February. And, uh, she and her filmmaking partner and fiance, Justin Brooks, uh, made this amazing film. Uh, we got uh, the opportunity to check out an advance copy, which is amazing. And we're going to have them on the show. Um, and that movie comes out next uh, beginning of February. So we're super pumped to have the opportunity to uh, interview them, have you guys be able to listen to what they have to say. And uh, yeah, that, that movie, it was amazing. I was so glad to watch it. I'm going to save my thoughts in a comprehensive way for when we talk to them. But yeah, that's also yeah. what I've been watching. Nice. Um. All right, man. We spent so much time on Winter Beast. Let's move on to the next uh <laughs> the next category here before we talk about our topic. <laughs> what have you been uh, what have you been buying?
0: All right, so I just got so with Christmas I got a bunch of shit, you dude, know. so much. Uh, <clears throat> so much stuff. Uh but the one thing I wanted to mention is that I bought this uh VHS horror calendar from Lunch Meet VHS. Oh, dude. Uh so it's like Um, every month is a different, uh, classic vintage VHS horror cover. Um, and every, like every, for every month they have designated, uh, for the dates, certain dates of like, um, you know, milestones like horror creators and actors birthdays, Yeah, David Lynch's
1: birthday. Yeah. Shit like that.
0: Yep. Uh, which is just so cool. So I'm so pumped. I got it. It was limited to 250. Um, and when I bought it, I was like oh that's that's a good amount like i have some time but i bought it um and now it's sold out so glad that so i you got did the right it thing. yeah and uh keep an eye out for next year if you didn't get one um it's really fucking cool and uh if you didn't get one go to lunchmeatvhs.com and pick up they, they have a lot of apparel there t-shirts and um
1: a lot of cool shit and that guy's really uh he's good people
0: where oh, I think uh, yeah. our buddies in the Stowjunk podcast did an interview with him, and it was, it was fucking great.
1: Yeah, they just are genuinely, they, they care about um, the preservation of the experience and, and um, the whole community in, in general. So, yeah, super, super cool dudes.
0: Which you and I aren't um,
1: VHSers
0: necessarily. I mean, we are at heart. It's just that yeah. we don't collect it. Um, I feel like it's one of those where like if each of us bought one, we had, like the snowball would go it downhill. Better, it but
1: better come with a coupon for a divorce attorney. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> because yeah. our wives at that point would be like, yeah, no, we're done. Yeah.
0: Wait a second. You went from Blu-ray and 4k. Now you're buying fucking VHS. Dude, it would be, yeah, game, it would be
1: over. <laughs> oh man. Okay, cool. Um,
0: so oh, also you're going to mention something. I bought that as well. Go ahead. <laughs>
1: Uh, so I, we're okay. So another uh, plug for, for future here, um, not to give too much away about, we like to leave you in suspense and, uh, anticipation, but, um, ghoulish Gary Pullen, who's one of the most amazing graphic designers in the space. Um, he, uh, has graciously agreed to be on the podcast. So early February, uh, we will be interviewing him as well. Uh, so. both both Jamie and I did pick up a copy of his book, um, which is like an interview style um, memorialization of a lot of his work. And it's just like a graphic representation of all the stuff he's done, which all of it, like each time you flip, you're like, I'll get that tattooed. No, I want that one. No, I want this one. No, I want that one. And legit, like every, like there's not a title (sighs) that you love that has not been touched by this man. And it's so amazing every time. So he is the, the prince of horror art. Yeah. Yeah. And it's amazing. So, uh, snagged his book. Super awesome. Um, got a new shirt, Stranger Things shirt from Toxic Coffin. Lance and Steven. Love those guys. Um, I'm wearing my new ter- Terror Threads uh, Scream yellow hoodie. Love this thing. Um, so, this is the one that earlier. Uh, I'm today- sorry, not Terror Threads. Loudmouth Threads. Loudmouth Threads. Sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry. Easy. So
0: this is the one that, uh, today I was talking to you and I was, we were actually talking about how we have all the same shit. And then I was like, yeah, I was, uh, thinking about getting, uh, this loud mouth threads. What did you said? You know, I think
1: I'm going to buy a hoodie today. And I was like, oh, cool. You have one in mind. And you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm sold. And I was like, yeah, cool. Which one? And then go ahead.
0: Well, I was going to tell you, I was going to get this scream hoodie, uh, from them. It's like gold, yellow, uh, and black. As a Steelers fan, I figured it was super fitting. Um, and then uh, you gave me a look like, yeah, I was it like, was wait like, a second, no. And no, don't ask her out. Because, then I remembered, I think you mentioned this yeah. on one
1: of our episodes, right? Uh, I don't know. No, because I, no, I just got it over Christmas Oh, yeah, as a gift. Um, but I had been, I, well, I might have mentioned it like, yeah. that I was eyeing it up. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I, I actually... Into our next segment, what we're currently wearing. That's what I have on right now. I thought after our conversation Sorry. today, I thought yeah. I'd throw it on. Um, but yeah, fits great. Um, loudmouth threads looks great, su- yeah. super great brand. Uh that dude's awesome and uh it's great. So what are you wearing, man? I have on my uh Matt Pepler, the horror,
0: you know, the horror, the green horror sticker or yep.
1: yeah. I just I fucking love that yeah and he uh he screen prints all that stuff himself it's like as genuine as you can uh imagine the process is and all of it fits great and honestly some of my favorite fitting t-shirts come from oh him. dude
0: they really do fit great i have this one in the you know the horror
1: uh rated horror one love it oh the one from uh from beyond uh yeah yeah, yeah that, that one Stuart yeah Gordon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah um okay so we talked about what, we, what we've been watching what we've been buying what we're currently wearing um Let's touch on what's been going on with the family, plug a couple things, and then get into our
0: episode, man. Yeah. So the last episode we did before Christmas, I mentioned how I couldn't wait to play video games um, all Christmas break, namely Zelda. Yeah. What I didn't realize was that my wife would buy the kids uh, Super Mario Deluxe, and that I would spend uh, way too many hours playing that over Christmas
1: break. What I didn't realize is that I showed up unannounced one night found you guys playing it also fell in love with the game bought it from my family and then um have been playing it non-stop with yeah, kids as well yeah so. it was uh just way too fun my
0: wife and i were like waiting for the kids to go to bed so we could play co <laughs> dude yeah
1: it's so good um yeah i i've got a fun family reference uh from actually <laughs> speaking of matt pepler uh so much of his artwork resides down here in the podcast space. Um the girls and I had a camp out down here one night. I blew up the air mattress. We played uh Mario Super Late one night. Yep. Uh and the next morning I woke up um and found my daughter like kind of, you know, surveying the room and I was like, Hey, everything all right, babe? And she said, uh, that's my favorite poster right there. And I was like, which one? And hmm. she goes uh, the poster for the frog. I was like, The what? And she goes, Right there, the frog. And I said, Uh, okay. And it's the fog poster. Oh. And I said, Why is that your favorite one? She goes, Because I, you know, I like frogs and like I can see all those shadows back there. There's a like frog people. Like I get it. I get the whole <laughs> what? thing. And I honestly, I was like, do I correct her on this and break her heart and let her know that it's the fog and not the frog. (laughs) And, uh, I told her, I was like, Oh, you know what, babe? I it's, it's actually called the fog. However, I think they are like frog influenced, uh, 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 like frogites back there. Let her down gently. Yeah. Let her down gently. Nice. But, uh, Matt's funny. You continue to be a part of our family in ways you don't even know, buddy. The frog. The frog. All right. Couple plugs real quick uh, before we get into our episode. So uh, we're on Patreon. Got to shamelessly plug it. If you want extra John and Jamie, extra horror dads, extra horror moms, we've got some episodes on there backlogged. Uh, we have a $5 tier and a $10 tier. $5 tier gets you a watch through episode as well as access to like read alongs that I'll do and um, some uh Uh, You know, we we open our our horror merch and talk about it. Uh, We do videos. We do videos with the kids and interviews with the kids, which is fun. In a $10 tier where we do a bonus episode every single month. Um, So check out us. uh, Check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash horror dads. Get yourself some merch. We're uh, selling a couple different t-shirt templates. We're going to get into some hats and some other apparel here shortly. Uh, but horror dads.com is where you can do that. Uh, We ship in the U S and in Canada, U S got to catch up. Our Canadian friends are kicking ass. Thank you so much to our friends in Canada. Uh, You know who you are and uh, we love you guys. So thanks for supporting us. Um, Give us a review on Apple podcast and now on Spotify. Uh, Spotify uh, has a, I think it's just a star review system. They don't do comments, but uh, (laughs) jump on there, help us out. Gets us uh, found in the algorithm. And uh, final thing of note is our buddy, our friend, our patron, Travis Davis, was so unbelievably kind to send Jamie and I both a care package in a box that was wrapped as a Christmas present. We got it before Christmas, Um, and Jamie and I both... (laughs) Open these gifts together, which was so so nice and so kind. Uh, but he got us the uh, Fright Rags T-shirts that say "Screaming Like Banshees" from one of our absolute favorite films, um, Night of the Creeps. Dude, thank you so much! And it had uh, what a air freshener from Trick or Treat Studios and oh yeah, a Watch More Horror sticker and just thank you, man. Like we appreciate you and ways we can't describe
0: yeah man the fact that you would take time out of your life to think of us and go out of your way to you know spend your hard-earned money on us is amazing and we're eternally grateful
1: yeah thanks man we love you um so with that you want to jump into the episode man
0: i have somebody on call waiting so
1: yeah wait do you hear a phone ringing we go so jamie do you want me to start with with my pick yeah we'll volley back and forth. start it off all right so before <clears throat> we start i do want to note the fact that i feel like the phone has been such a prominent uh player in the horror genre for eternity in in multiple ways and i feel like the curve has definitely changed from the old days to the new days Where in the old days, the phone was a device used to incite mystery, fear, suspense. And then as we went along in the world with technology, it became something of how do we get rid of this fucking device to make the plot scarier? Because if someone had a phone, uh, their GPS could be tracked. Um, there's no stay on for 30 seconds so we can pinpoint the location, you know, uh, it quickly became how do we get rid of this rather than how do we use it as a device? Right. So that evolution was interesting. And I feel like there are certain films that later uh, embraced it and said like, Hey, we're going to use technology and we're going to, we're going to fuck with some uh, elements of this. And I think we have a good mix of both types of films, right? Yeah, I think so. All right. So these are the 10 horror phone calls that you don't uh, basically that you don't want to have, right. Uh, That are going to, really lead to a certain ad potential experience. Yeah. So we're going to talk about the actual call itself and a little bit about the film, but we're going to focus mostly, I think probably on the call, right? Yeah, that's my plan. All right. That's my plan as well. Okay. So I'll go first. So my number five is from the compilation 1993. Horror anthology called Body Bags, directed both by John Carpenter and Toby Hooper.
0: From John Carpenter.
1: Something's coming. Maybe I'll see you around.
0: Huh? I think maybe I can help you. Something strange. Weird. Gruesome. Painful sex. Yes, yes! When can we do it? Something shocking. <laughs> Your brains are the only food
1: on which we can thrive. <laughs> what have you done to me? Something terrible. I mm. love this one. Yeah, so that opening sequence um, entitled The Gas Station... Uh, was directed by John Carpenter, and in my opinion, is the best one of the anthology. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, I was just going to say that when I think of that movie, I forget what else. What else is on there? Yeah. I know there's there that there's that creepy fucking Stacy Keach with the fucking hair. <laughs> yeah. The Ugh, hair. God. And then uh, isn't uh, Luke Skywalker a baseball or, the or something? Baseball yeah. uh Player
1: with the eye. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: But um, I always like. I own that movie as well. And all I really watch is the <laughs> first one.
1: Yeah. It's so good. Um, but the first sequence it's entitled the gas station. It's a uh, starring Alex Datcher. She's amazing in it. Uh, Robert Carradine, Wes Craven makes an appearance in this. Yeah. Sam Raimi makes an appearance in this, uh, David Naughton's in this. So like for a quick 20, what is it? Twenty twenty five 25 minutes probably. Um, installation like it is really really effective it's star packed and there are a ton of people in this movie and yeah. it feels so uh so isolated and small uh and Carpenter does such a great job of doing that. Um so Doesn't fo- it
0: take place on the night of Halloween as well? Like aren't they near Haddonfield? So they're
1: in Haddonfield. Yeah. Uh that's the setting that's the location um which is wild uh and I, I feel like not a lot of people know this movie and know that fact. Um but yeah, it takes place in Haddonfield. That's mentioned, and um, our our main protagonist she is starting her first day, her first shift, which is a third shift overnight at this gas station booth, basically, which is the enclosed, isolated type of freestanding gas station booth. People come up. Yeah, we've all been. They, we've yeah. all been there. I I used to buy cigarettes late at night from people like this, dude. One hundred percent. Yeah. Um. So she's starting her first night isolated and it's, it's vintage, vintage carpenter, right? So you have this, um, person, not only is she alone, but she's in a relatively like unoccupied area, uh, for all intents and purposes. It's her first day. She's had no training and she's physically like stuck in a booth. So like the idea of isolation is, is very apparent and very, um, it's laid out instantly. Uh, as the film unfolds and um so she's on her first day and she has one lifeline in the form of this character named bill who gives her this quick training of like hey there's a credit card machine hey here are the keys and oh here's my my phone number if you need me uh just give me a ring uh of one employee of the month like 10 times like cool all right yeah Yeah. i'll see you later Bip. and he's the fucking uh
0: he's the main guy
1: from uh
0: revenge of the nerds so like yeah
1: you're disarmed
0: (laughs) from yeah. the beginning Dude, like, so the, yeah.
1: and everyone has worked with a version of that person like he seems sweet seems super nice um she has to like make contact with him at one point and like he seems helpful and and you're comforted and disarmed by his character yeah um so this is not going to be a spoiler free uh discussion of this film because it can't it's, be. it's tough yep yeah. yeah. I was thinking of that with some of mine. Like, there's no way to make this. Yeah, Yeah. there just isn't. So uh, that's your quick uh, forewarning here. But so your only lifeline is this guy Bill. Um, you make contact with him via phone. He's friendly, but uh, but is he? You know, and there's some Mm. mystery around that fact. (laughs) And there's there are all these characters that come and visit this uh, this booth, uh, and they create tension. She locks herself out. There's a homeless man that comes. uh, And it's really the homeless man that comes, which really, that's like the tipping point of this short story that we're we're in, right? And she locks herself out when he's there. She finds another key. She gives him the key to the bathroom. Uh, Then this drunk guy pulls up in this uh, (laughs) convertible with his drunk girlfriend or wife, which by the way, that is my dad. That guy is my dad. Yeah. Um but he comes I love up that guy. and he's like I need a key to the little boy's room. And uh she's like hey there's this guy he, he's in there and he the part when that guy goes ah weirdo huh <laughs> like I just I love I love that <laughs> whole scene. Um but uh they leave she goes in finds graffiti sees stuff happening in the shop which is next next door and it just reaches a point it, it all it all culminates. So The phone call though, uh, to our point of the episode that occurs is, um, not one she receives, but one that she makes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So she calls bill, uh, the final time basically because like shits off the rails. She finds someone dead and she's like, okay, this isn't right. Instead of calling the police, I'm going to, I'm going to call bill. So she calls bill and bill answers the phone from the adjacent office basically still there in uniform Mm -hmm. and bill says hi this is bill i can't come to the phone right now uh i seem to have a sore throat or some bullshit you know and then he slams the phone down but she's like she visually sees him answer it and have that conversation and sees how he's mentally unstable uh and then the film completely unfolds from there so uh, yes it does that is my first selection of the phone call you just simply don't want to have. Yeah, no, that's a great one, dude. And uh, I love that
0: movie. Uh, I love how John Carpenter kind of does the uh, Crypt Keeper thing in between segments, you know?
1: Yeah. That's a lot of fun. I wish it would have gotten a little <clears throat> more track. Like his his uh, version, of it's very obvious what he's trying to do, which is probably part of why it flopped. But um, that first sequence was so fucking good. So good. If we could have fifty more of that first sequence, I would yeah, so this was like a made
0: for showtime or something, right? I think
1: so, yeah. And it was this was what year? We said ninety three, yeah. Yeah. Man.
0: That's when TV was like a big, big thing. Yeah. Back in the nineties. Yeah. So Well, that's a great one. So we're gonna go to something a lot more fucking seedy and disgusting and grotesque. Oh fuck. We're going to go to New York in 1982, a New York that's being terrorized by, by a duck sounding guy named the Ripper. This is the New York Ripper. what do you want? To dedicate a murder to you. Somebody called for you. Yeah, who? The guy with a strange voice. Said he called you back. He sounded just like a duck. All
1: right, so the New York Ripper is... Man, when you said seedy, I was like, I hope he's not going uh, to... (laughs) All right, just go ahead. He's going. Yeah, you're there. All right, we're here. The New um, York Ripper.
0: All right, so if you're not familiar with this movie, it is a uh, giallo. Um, it is I, it's a Fulci film. It's uh, Lucio Fulci, and it's... Uh, I, I really, the only way I can describe it is that it's fucking horrifying and disgusting. And The movie's gross, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's no... It pulls no punches. Um, so it was this time. I, I
1: actually remember the day specifically last yeah, because year. because I got
0: it for Christmas. You got year. it for Christmas.
1: Yeah. You were here, remember? And we, I was taking down my Christmas tree. And you're like, hey, do you want to come over later and watch this new movie? Yeah. And I came over and me, you, and my sister watched it together. Yeah, yeah.
0: Very uncomfortable.
1: So uncomfortable. Uh, so, the, you know, that it's just a
0: typical serial killer type right. movie where you have a guy going around killing women in the most horrific, grotesque ways. Um, the phone call in question here is when our uh, main protagonist, Lieutenant Fred Williams, uh, who's essentially just like a burned out detective, you know what I mean? Hard-boiled coat. Yeah, I'm sick of beat. this town. My wrinkled um, coat. yeah. So he's in bed with, with, uh, with a prostitute. He's at her house, which is I find to be fucking weird. What prostitute would let men come to her home? Uh, but, you know, whatever. Uh, so in the middle of the night, she gets a phone call. From a very high-pitched, uh, weird voice asking for Lieutenant Williams. Uh, she wakes him up. He starts talking to this guy who, uh guy or gal, whatever the hell, um, who just, you know, is like trying to get him to understand who he is and is doing a lot of quacking. Uh, uh so he says to him, like, uh, Tell the truth, you were shooting your load into that whore of yours, weren't oh, you? dude. And it's like, what? First of all, how would you know I'm here? Who are you? Uh, so he figures out who he is, uh, and he says, uh, regarding to the killings, he tells him, uh, It happened again tonight. She was beautiful, too beautiful. She asked for it, and I gave it to her. Oh, dude. Yeah, dude. Fucking creepy.
1: Um, terrifying.
0: And when you know what this guy is doing to people makes it even that more terrifying. Honestly, um, yeah. And to be woken up in a place where, like, most people... Nobody should know where you are. You're at a prostitute's house. Uh, so I hope you wouldn't be advertising that. So how would this guy fucking know? Yeah. You know? So the fact that this guy knows where you are is really fucking scary. Um,
1: and you know he's messing with you. And the quacking mechanism, too, is so effective. Because, <sighs> like... So a lot of our selections I feel have levels of interest to them because it's like you have a known entity or a known, an unknown entity that are having a very specific conversation with you in a very specific place and time. However, like you introduce that element of quacking in any of these. Like if I, if I called you today and I was like, Hey dude, do you want to like hang out and go get a (laughs) beer? And you'd be like, well, let me ask my wife. (laughs) That would be the worst phone call I had this year, without a doubt. So So, fucking weird.
0: Um, And what's funny is, like, when you and I, when we went into this, we had no fucking idea. We didn't know. We went in blind as hell. Yeah, which is amazing and great. I recommend that if you've never seen this, uh, I'm sorry for ruining it for you, but you have to go see it. Um, Just shell out the 45 bucks and get the 4K like I did. But, yeah, no, I mean... Oh, Jesus. It's funny, too, because at the beginning, one of the very first uh, scenes of the film is, like, the landlady uh, of the first woman who got killed in the movie. Uh, the landlady is, like, she essentially spies and is really nosy um, yeah. on her, you yeah, know, yeah. tenants. And she was listening in to a phone call from this killer to the girl who got killed. And she tells a detective, like, yeah, no, he's really creepy voice and he's quacking and... Uh, so it took him a minute to put it together when he got the call, I think probably like who would know I'm here. Quacking you say, right? Quacking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Oh man. Ridiculous.
1: Ridiculous. Oh, I mean, great pick, man. Um, the movies. Yeah, it's good. Uh, I have more appreciation, I think for the experience I had watching the movie than I do the actual movie. Um, so I'm probably not the best like person to weigh in on the movie itself, but
0: I will say that as I was rewatching it for this, like it still has all those moments where you're like, Oh my God. Um, Oh good. But kind of knowing what it was, you know what I mean? And I've watched more Giallo since uh, and more Fulci sense. Yeah. So it wasn't as jaw dropping.
1: Yeah. And we are, are, I know we keep talking about making an effort to get, to get better in the uh, Italian horror scene. We just haven't, done it yet um it's a a large financial and time commitment we just haven't made yet so we will i'm gonna go to a little bit more respected film than this uh what what what, what, all right so i'm gonna head to 1991 to a film called silence of the lambs you spook easily, Starling?
0: Not yet, sir. He's past the others. The last cell. I'll be watching. You'll do fine. The killer is on the loose. Keeps them alive for three days. Then he shoots them, skins them, and dumps them. A rookie FBI agent is on his trail. He's got real physical strength, cautious Precise, and he's never impulsive. He'll never stop. But in order to track him down, she'll have to match wits. I'll help you catch him, Clary. Believe me, you don't want Hannibal actor inside your head with the darkest of all minds. Just do your job and never forget what he
1: is. All right, so this film was directed by uh, Jonathan Demi, starring Jody Foster, Anthony Hopkins, and it's about a young FBI cadet who. Uh, Basically has to receive the help of this like nasty, nasty, manipulative cannibal uh, murderer uh, to help catch another killer. Uh, So this is like a madman who skins his victims. Right. Um,
0: Madman Mars.
1: I mean, (laughs) Buffalo Bill, Madman Mars. not, Not too far from one another. But this this movie's we were talking, uh, you and I personally today, off off the record, uh about off camera. Uh yeah, about uh, good like tweener films, right? Like the movies that are not necessarily like strictly horror. Adjacent. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That have great elements of other aspects of film that kinda like hit you at certain times in life where you're like, Hey, I was really into action or Western films when I was five. And exactly. This movie yeah. did a great job of, of get me somewhere. So this one did it, did that for a lot of people. I think, um, you know, it's action, it's suspense, it's thriller, it's horror. Yep. Um, and it truly encapsulates its time. Uh, yeah. I was going to say that encapsulates the nineties so much. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and this was just, just 91. Right. So like, like this and X-Files are synonymous with the whole, like, Langley and FBI, yeah, and the all of that Lady stuff. FBI, yeah, yeah, which is great, which is so great, yeah, it's amazing. Um, but it, it even, uh, you know, depicts the technology of the time too, which I think is, um, which is, uh, which is cool. But the, the lead up, so the relationship building of Jodie Foster's character and Anthony Hopkins' character, like the relationship that they have is, it's fascinating. Uh, the way it evolves, um, the way it ends. Uh and in all of the above. Like this movie's just fascinating. It's so incredibly well acted. Like it's just unbelievably well acted. Um, which is why it's held in such such high regard, I think, because it truly is terrifying because of how impactful all the characters are. Uh, but the, the scene I'm referring to is the scene um uh where special agent map gets her phone call. Um and it's uh Hannibal Lecter when he's overseas, it's you know like the end of the film and he makes his his phone call to Jodie Foster's character and as he's talking to her like a fly lands on his head when he's in this <coughs> uh like uh like Mike Pence. It, it it's honestly <laughs> like that. It it it's like that. Frightening, disturbing message in the most like reserved uh reserved way possible. And he basically says like, I'm having an old friend for dinner. Yeah. And he delivers that like one liner. Um, and he basically says Mm. like, I'm fascinated by you. Uh, I'm not going to call on you. I'm not, I'm going to leave you alone, but I'm out in the world and I'll fucking eat you if you mess with me. Yeah. Uh, and it's this very, like so much unspoken, uh, is delivered in this. And so much spoken is delivered, uh, in this conversation. And the, the phone call is just so terrifying and Jodie Foster acts the hell out of it in her reception of it too. So, this is most most certainly a phone call you never want to receive, and which is just going to send a chill which, right down your spine. I'm
0: sorry, which call is this? When he's like wearing the
1: yeah, he's got that hat, on. hat on. He's got yeah. that long hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he looks ridiculous. <laughs> oh my God, he looks absurd. And he's got the fly on his temple. <laughs> yeah, so good. That yeah. that movie is fuck, man, dude. That movie's great. It just it's timeless. It so, still it stands yeah, up. Yeah, it truly is truly truly is so yeah that's my uh my second pick my number four (sighs) yeah it's a good one
0: all right well my number four is going to be from 2002 it's going to be the ring
1: have you heard that this videotape that kills you when you watch it you start to play it
0: and it's like somebody's nightmare and as soon as it's over your phone rings and what they say is, you will
1: die in seven days. Heading there, huh, buddy?
0: Yeah, I felt like, um... We, you and I were both trying to, we always try to with these themes to not be too on-the-nose and too obvious, but sometimes you just can't avoid it. And yeah, We try not me, to be
1: too redundant, either. Yeah, so. for sure, yeah.
0: Uh, but to me, this was one that had to be mentioned with this category. Um, it's essentially about... Um, a videotape that people watch and after they watch it, they get a phone call telling them they have seven days to live. So it could be any phone call in this movie. Um, I chose uh, the one where our main protagonist, Naomi Watts is kind of tracking down the origin of this tape and she's trying to find out what the fuck's going on. Uh, and she goes to this cabin where, uh, these two girls at the beginning of the movie talk about, uh, they're kind of talking about the mythology of this tape And, uh, the one girl says like, Oh, wait a second. I was at this cabin last week with, uh, my friends and we watched it and it was like, you know, uh, she never really discusses getting the phone call, but she subsequently dies. And, um, so anyway, this cabin is where Naomi Watts ends up at. She finds a tape, she watches it, which is essentially just a bunch of creepy, you know, what it reminds me of is that. Remember in the office when, uh, Gabe, like they have that like Halloween yeah, party yeah, and Gabe like, yeah. his, it reminds me of that. Yeah. Uh, so it's just a bunch of like creepy imagery of like weird things like ladders and, and you know, it's shit. like a,
1: a music video for a hardcore <laughs> band, dude. It's a and, nine inch nails yeah. music video. It really <laughs> yeah, <it's> is. Exactly. <laughs>
0: uh, but anyway, so after that, after she watches it, she gets the phone call, uh, that says, you know, seven days, I think it's like a little child. Uh, essentially it's probably Samara, I guess. I don't know. And, uh, it just says seven days. And, uh, from there on out, she starts getting like nosebleeds and shit. And, uh, so then she's on a chase or a race rather to figure out what's going on so that she can save her life. Uh, and there's more to it obviously, but I mean, that, that
1: is imagine getting that call. Like in that moment, you yeah, could but, pick up a Sesame seed with your butt cheeks, dude,
0: honestly, because anybody would be like, sure and it's like no Robin down the way this honestly happened to her she died and it's like fuck you you know it's like the Candyman thing like I'll stand there and say it Yeah. Uh, but when Candyman actually comes out or when you actually realize you're going to die when you actually get that phone call that would be the most high pitched
1: scream start quacking and shit yeah (laughs) I mean great pick and what what year was this movie again Uh,
0: 19 or, I'm sorry, 2002. 2002, Do you yeah. remember seeing this? Like, I remember when I saw it. I thought it was fucking scary. I saw it in the theater, yeah. Yeah, um, me too. In Cheyenne, Wyoming, which is scary enough.
1: I think I saw it with my wife, actually, because we were, you know, high school sweethearts. Yeah, so, nice. Uh, we saw a lot together uh, around that time. And, yeah, dude, I just remember, like, similar to Blair Witch, which I know came out earlier than this, this was one of those films that was, like, uh, it re... You know, you have those films that don't, they don't reset the genre, but they kind of like, uh, it's the new firecracker that pops off and everyone's like, hey, let's talk about horror again. And yeah. this, this certainly was one. Oh, definitely. Um, this and The Grudge. Uh, and yeah. There was like a phenomenon of, of hey, let's remake. The know, Japanese some scary horror. And, Japanese yeah. horror films, yeah. Um, and that still happens. <clears throat> and the original versions of these films are really great in their own respect and scary in their own way too. Um, but, uh, yeah, this movie really, I think, uh, opened a lot of eyes and brought a lot of people into the genre. Oh, 100%. Yep. And you, you don't want that phone call. No. Dude, you know what we should do this week is call each other at least one time. Every day. Once a day and do whatever, whatever theme we want, like (laughs) quacking seven days. (laughs) Okay. Okay. uh, me telling you I'm going to have someone for dinner. <laughs> yeah, I'm into this. Uh, we'll, we'll work out the details. Send
0: later. us your phone number uh, <laughs> if you're listening and we'll give you a if call. If you want to call,
1: we'll we'll make yeah. it. Yeah. All right, man. So that's your number four. right? Yeah. So I hit five. You hit five. I hit four. You hit four. So my three. Uh, my number three is a film from 1978 directed by someone you might have heard of named John Carpenter, uh, called Someone's Watching Me. One week from tonight, she's young, beautiful, successful, and has everything to
0: live for, but someone wants her dead. Hello? I'll find you. I don't give up. Lauren Hutton, David Burney, and Adrienne Barbeau star in a chilling tale of suspense and terror. A twisted maniac is at large. Can he be stopped before it's too late? Someone's watching me next Wednesday on NBC. It always feels like somebody watching me.
1: Starring Michael Jackson. <laughs> no. Starring Lauren <laughs> Hutton. Um, dude, I actually love that song. I'm, oh, my God. I'll dance right now. And,
0: it, and it's like, it's become a Halloween song, right? <laughs> it,
1: for no reason. No, <laughs> like, no reason. reason. Why is it? Because it's in like the same key of thriller. I guess. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> uh, but this film, uh, Someone's Watching Me, starring Lauren Hutton.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Lauren Hutton, <laughs> David Burney, and Adrian Barbeau. Uh, as I mentioned, directed by our buddy John Carpenter. And this is about a woman who is being watched in her apartment by a stranger. Um, who calls and torments her and there's this whole like cat and mouse game that starts. And this is basically John Carpenter's adaptation to rear window. Uh, I think we talked about this movie one other time on the podcast. I think when you bought it for me. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's been a selection on any uh, specific theme or not, but I, I have a, a, really great deep. In fact, when Jamie came over here tonight, he was like, wait, you have this movie on DVD. You must've had this a long time. And I was like, yeah, dude, I've had this movie at least like 15 years. Um, I love this movie. Uh, it, it was made for TV, uh, and it shows that it was made for TV. Um, but rear Window is one of my favorite movies of all time and seeing, uh, John Carpenter, who's probably my favorite director of all time adapt, uh, one of my favorite films of all time. It's just a recipe for success. Lauren Hutton's amazing in this movie. Um she's in this environment where she's basically like fleeing another city, moving out to Los Angeles. Um she was in a, a form of an abusive relationship and she's trying to kind of like restart her life and she uh is continuously being advanced upon and propositioned and um just it's very like her, every relationship with her is, is predatory and people are trying to, you know, advance on her and she's uh, continuously made out to be kind of like people, people in the film make her feel stupid for like trying to get help, which is absurd and ridiculous. Um, And Carpenter's obviously exploiting that fact um, and accentuating it. So, uh people are trying to make her feel like oh okay you're the victim you're the victim uh but she has an obvious and very legitimate case sure yeah definitely um so from the get though like the oh, i think the opening sequence of the film right jamie there's a phone rings yeah and you have the analog like rolling tape and you observe this man who's harassing someone with a telescope uh, mm-hmm. uh who's being a voyeur um looking in on a woman and the woman's like basically at her wits end saying like you won. Um, so yeah, like yeah, that's the establishing shot. And that's kind of like the framework that you're, you're, you're given. So Lauren Hutton moves into this new place and she's trying to start her new life. And she's working in a radio studio as a producer and continuously she lives in this really huge high rise, I think called Arkham tower in Los Angeles, and there's like a twin Arkham Tower across the way. So it's just like you could see in everybody else's windows basically. Uh, and she has her curtains open all the time, and the phone calls start rolling in day after day, time after time. And at first, she's like, I don't fucking understand what's going on here. I'll just kind of deal with this. Um, but they become more and more sinister. The guys start sending her gifts, and it gets weirder and weirder and weirder. So Um, the phone, like I mentioned, is a character in this film, uh, simply because it drives so much of the plot. However, I'm going to refer to one specific sequence, which is really, really brief phone call, but it's the most, uh, terrifying in my mind of what happens. Um, so Adrian Barbeau, again, this is not spoiler free. So pause here. If you have not seen someone's watching me, but, uh, Lauren Hutton and Adrian Barbeau basically pin down, okay, I think I know who this is. Um, And there's that whole rear window moment where Lauren Hutton goes to the, um, physically breaks into the apartment that they think is the offending apartment. She finds a log book written with all the times that this guy's called her. So they're like, okay, fuck yeah, we found the right place. She has a walkie-talkie. Adrian Barbeau's in her apartment across the way with a walkie talkie. They're communicating back and forth. And basically, Adrian Barbeau's character is attacked by this uh, monster because he's in their apartment and Lauren Hutton's in his. So it's the whole rear window, like reverse. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Disturbia and all that shit. Yeah. So this night, this very long night, she gets back to her place. Nothing's in there. She calls the police. The police say like, okay, cool. We found nothing. You're crazy. Go home, go to bed. Don't be a dimwit woman, blah, 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 blah. So like, she's just made out to be a victim the whole time. And, um, it's the next morning she comes home. She walks into her apartment after the police basically say, we don't believe you. She thinks her friend's dead. Um, And she finds that the shower is on in her apartment. No one is in there. And written on the mirror in the shower basically says, no one believes you, and it's melting away. She quietly walks out backwards from the bathroom. The phone rings, and she answers it. Doesn't even say hello, I don't think. And the guy just says, you left the shower on. Click. Hangs up the phone. And in that moment, like, that's the rock bottom moment. Clearly there's a lot of movie left that happens after this moment, but uh, this is the rock bottom moment for Lauren Hutton's character uh, that she has to like crawl out of and be reborn from the ashes. Cause this is like literally ground zero. Um, and it's terrifying. So love this movie. Love that scene. I love uh, the impact uh, that he makes using the phone. Yeah. I also
0: want to go eat at that Italian restaurant um, that her and Adrian Barbero eat at. I'm pretty sure Michael Corleone killed uh, (laughs) those two guys in that same restaurant.
1: I love their relationship in this movie. Oh, yeah.
0: No, they're great. Um, It's like the relationship that, you know, if you start a new job, you want someone like Adrian, you know, to, like, take you under their wing.
1: Her character is great, and I love the empowerment of her character and of the story. So, I dig it.
0: Little did we know... Maybe 10 years later, she'd be the Countess seducing Jim Carrey.
1: (laughs) A once bitten. Sorry. All
0: right, so my number three is from 1989 a little film known as Pet Cemetery. What is this place? I brought you here to bury Allen's cat.
1: Is Church all right?
0: Why, Judd? I have no reasons.
1: I dreamed he got hit by a car and you and Mr. Crandall buried him in the pet cemetery.
0: What did we do tonight, Judd? What we did, Lois, was a secret. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Has anyone ever buried a person up there? May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. You're thinking thoughts. That's not thought of.
1: Do something
0: really bad. You're thinking to put him up there. Don't deny the thought hadn't
1: crossed your mind. I've never seen it. What's
0: it about? Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, I never have either. Uh, so we all know what this movie is and what it's about. Uh, the phone call that I'm going to pick here is when Gage oh, calls dude. Lewis there at the end. <laughs> so Fuck. Lewis is on the hunt. He's following little devilish, fucking muddy footprints from Gage, uh, which is just a terrifying scene and idea in general. Uh, but then he gets a phone call, uh, answers it. He's about to follow these footprints into the basement, which is a bad idea in general. Uh, and the phone call is, uh, from Gage and he says, uh, hi daddy. Want to come out and play with me? And he says, uh, first I played with Judd and then I played with mommy. We played, uh, we, (laughs) I'm sorry. We should play daddy. We had an uh, awful good time. Now I want to play with you. Horror dad indeed. Which is like, what, what, what do you do? You know.
1: Well, to be honest, you look in the mirror and say, "Why the fuck did I do this?"
0: Yeah, I mean, you're to blame. Yeah. And you know that at this point, but.
1: Well, I guess with him, with the ki- with <clears throat> with the kid, it's like, okay, I, you know, hopefully, no one ever finds himself in that situation, and.
0: I can't say I blame him. Church, I blame him.
1: That was dumb. Church, I blame him. The kid, probably not. The wife, totally at fault. Yeah. She comes limping in with her eyes socket falling out. Yeah.
0: I mean, that's like, you know, fool me three times. It's not shame on you. It's fuck
1: you at that point. Fuck you. Yeah. (laughs) You're dead. Yep. (laughs) But yeah. Fool me one, shame on me. There's... Fool me three times, just bury <laughs> just me. Just die, yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: there's not much to say about this. I mean, can you imagine that phone call? Oh, Very good pick, man.
1: Very good pick. All right, so I'm going to head to my number two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My number two, yeah. Okay. I'm going to go to a film uh, in 1979 directed by Fred Walton called... When a stranger calls. On a warm September evening. Dr. Malakis, Jill Johnson was babysitting for the two young children of a wealthy doctor. Okay. Bye. They told her where they would be and when they would be home. They told her everything she had to know, except what to do when a stranger calls. Hello? Have you checked the children?
0: What? Hello, could you get me the police? Well, it's really how you do about it down here. Uh, Have you checked the children?
1: He's watching me through
0: the windows. So this is one of those that just had to be included, yeah. right, dude? Yes,
1: and it Which t- one are you doing? The new one or the seventy-nine? So the original, you. yeah, yeah,
0: with the mom from uh, License to Drive, <laughs> Carol, Carol Kane, yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> Carol Kane's in this. Um, so she's our our uh, our our lead in the beginning here. And this is about a psychopathic killer who terrorizes a babysitter um, and then returns seven years later to kind of menace her again, I guess. But this movie, if you watch it, the initial sequence, the initial it's like 17, 18 minutes. um, That was a short story that was written and then a film was built basically around that. And in my opinion, when, when I watch this, like the best part of this movie is the first 20 minutes. Um, and then it kind of slows down after that. Yeah. Um, i am super, I enjoy it. I'm a fan. However, you can tell like after you know that fact, like, oh, this was a short story that had something built around it. It was like, oh, cool. I wrote this amazing guitar solo. Um, so write some music around it for 90 minutes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's like watching the third, uh,
1: Hobbit. Yeah. Like what? (laughs) Exactly. Um, so (laughs) I I like the movie, but yeah, that's definitely a factor. So the beginning sequence though, was that initial story. Um, and much like, uh, the last film I talked about, uh, in the form of someone's watching me, like the phone, uh, in this opening sequence is, is almost a character. So we have our young, young babysitter come uh, to a house. She's running late. Um, the family that is leaving for the evening is eager to get out the door. Uh, the parents basically say, hey, nice to meet you. I haven't met you before. Kids are upstairs sleeping. They're getting over a cold. Uh, Do you have any questions? Okay, great. We might be home in two hours, but we might go to a movie afterwards, so we might be home in five hours. That's basically the conversation they have. And she's like, okay, no questions. Cool. See you later. Like, and that happens within 40 seconds, uh, right before Dr. Mendrakis says like, we bought low fat yogurt. You can have that. And then they're gone. So she's sitting in this house, hasn't met these kids, won't meet these kids. They're asleep upstairs. Um, family doesn't know them. they're gone and she doesn't know shit about shit. Right. So the, Phone starts ringing, and time and time again, uh, either someone says nothing, or they say, have you checked the children? Have you checked the children? Have you checked the children? And this, like, weird phone call keeps happening. So she calls the police. She calls the uh, the uh, restaurant that she thinks Dr. Mendrakis and his wife are at. Uh, they're at the movie theater. She calls the movie theater at this point in time because this is the '70s, so you can't text or call someone on their cell phone. So there's all this like uh, weird sequencing happening, and she, much like Lauren Hutton's character in the last film I talked about, uh, is continuously being made to feel like, "Don't be a dummy. It's probably not a big deal. This happens every day. Just deal with it," kind of thing, which is bullshit. So anyway. She finally gets a call after about 15 minutes, um, and it's this real like one-two sequence, like this one-two punch, where the police have been working to try and identify where the calls are coming from, and she uh, is trying to identify like, pretty much like why this is happening and who it's happening from. After "Have you Check the Children" happens 20 times, she gets a phone call. Where she basically like asks him a question and says like, you scared me. Is that what you wanted? And he's like, no, And she's like, well, what do you want from me? And then in this like quavering, disgusting voice, he says, your blood all over me. (laughs) And it's just fucking terrifying. (laughs) So that call ends. And then the police call. Right after and say, hey, by the way, the, the calls are coming from inside the house. Ugh. So imagine hearing that, which is the most chilling sentence anyone could ever speak to you. And then the police call and say, hey, they're underneath the couch you're sitting on, basically. Yeah, that is unbelievable. So that's what I'm going with, man. The Good original one. 1979 when a stranger calls.
0: That's a great one. Um, so the reason that I didn't want to add that one to my list <clears throat> is because I'm going to do a You know what? Let's just get to it. My number two is Black Christmas. A high school girl's been murdered. Mr. Harrison's daughter is missing. And now at the house where she lives, the other girls are getting obscene phone calls. Yeah, what I've done is I've tapped this phone so that when it rings, it'll ring at the station house too. There was a little girl murdered over in the park tonight. Yes, I heard. Your phone's ringing. All right, so I picked the original, 1974, Bob Clark. Uh, the Bob Clark classic, I should say. Yeah. Uh, from Canada. Starring everybody that you know. Uh, but So I could pick any phone call from this movie. I mean, I, like you said, the phone is a very central character in this movie. Uh, so moves much. the plot forward. Uh, it's you know, almost it's, like
1: Pavlov's dog. Like when the the phone rings, like you're, you're conditioned to feel fear by this point. In yeah. Time yeah the movie. For sure. like it's so like every time that happens, it's like, all right, well pick up the sesame seed with my cheeks. Like what's yeah. going to happen this time. Yep. So the, the phone call I chose to go, go with
0: is pretty much the last one. Uh, the one that uh, Olivia Hussey gets uh, from Sergeant Nash in, you know, they've, they've, this is after they've been tracking the phone and they've been trying to get, uh, just to keep the guy on the phone, Billy to, you're trying to keep Billy on the phone long enough. This is back when you had to have that like three minute, whatever. Uh, so like he called a couple times and like, they just couldn't get it. Like, ah, we just missed it.
1: There's a guy walking around like a server room with a hard hat on. Like,
0: what is that one clicking? Is it that one clicking? Yeah. The most ridiculous server room. Um but yeah, this is where they finally track it. They trace it. They have it nailed down. Uh, they call Jess and they're like, listen, don't, don't just leave the house. Just leave the fucking house. And she won't let it go. Like she keeps asking like, why? Like what? You know, like Phil is still upstairs. And so he's like, all right, well the, the phone call is coming from in the house. Yeah, And he's so fucking scared. Like he does a great job because like you can feel his fear uh, and you're, uh, as a viewer, you're like, oh my God, get the fuck out. So she, like, is, she hangs up. She, she has, like, the, you know, like, she's really wrestling with herself at this point. Like, uh-huh, do it, leave. This is one of those moments where, like, I'm throwing popcorn at the TV screen. Like, get the fuck out. <laughs> get, you know, like, they're up. not answering. Like, she's yelled up there enough times where Phil, um, she would fucking hear you. She, you know what I mean? Dude. Phil and Barb or whoever else is up there. Uh, so she goes up, she can't leave well enough alone. She goes up there, she opens the door, she sees Phil and Barb both like just, oh God, just dead. It reminds me very much of uh Halloween part six when they go, when she runs back over cause she sees that her brother and his girlfriend were killed. So she runs over to the house oh, and she yeah, opens the door yeah, and they're just yeah. like, yeah, dead. it reminds yeah. me very much of that. Um, and then she ends up fighting for her life there at the end. But yeah, that's a phone call to me it very much, uh, very similar to what you just discussed with when a stranger calls that phone call of like finding out that this, this fucking murderous fucker who has been calling you and torturing you essentially yeah. is in the house. Fuck. What it's, do you do?
1: It's crazy that like, uh, so John Saxon's character, the dad from uh nightmare on Elm street, is, like, this uh, presence in the movie where you feel confidence in, like, when he's around, you know? And, like, yeah. oh, that guy has a plan. Like, he'll figure this out. And then there's this, like, Barney Fife character that Margot Kidder fucks with uh, yeah. when yeah. she's at the police station saying, <laughs> oh, you don't, haven't heard about the new, uh, the line exchange, fellatio. It's called Felatio, And she there's this whole, like, shtick about that. That happens. I love the little payoff there too. Yeah. When they're all laughing, when they're all laughing at him. Um, But they enlist that guy, that Barney (laughs) Fife character to make this essential phone call where they're like, Hey, you have to deliver like basically the worst news, which is that the serial killers there, like don't tell her that she's there. Just make sure she leaves the house. Yeah. And of course he fucks it up. And then of course the movie, Sort of. And the from does. there. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll let you, uh, let you watch it. Uh, great pick though, man. Great, great fucking movie.
0: Uh, great phone call. I love this. I love this movie. I love, and when you floated this idea, this was like the first movie, uh, oh, other than my number one, this was like the first movie that came to mind.
1: Yeah. 100% had to be in there. Good. Great pick, man. All right. So I'm going to go to my last one. Uh my number 1 is a movie I think I've heard of maybe you've heard of maybe some of you possibly have heard of. from 1997 I was 10 years old Scream 2 directed by Wes Craven
0: Hello Hello Sydney remember me What do you want It's time, girlfriend. Don't you know history repeats itself? (laughs) Last night, two college students were
1: brutally murdered. Police are everywhere. The girl was stabbed seven times. Ouch. Hi, Gail Weathers, author of the Woodsboro Murders. She's an opportunist. Be kind, she saved our lives. Yeah, I know. I read all about it in the book. I can't wait to see the movie right so scream Two, hot off the heels one year later from scream one i can't out. believe that was one year and amazing well, uh on the we were talking about shockwaves podcast today yeah when kevin williamson was on the shockwaves podcast right. and he was talking about harvey weinstein basically like locking him in a fucking hotel room saying like i need a sequel don't come out till it's done uh which is terrifying in, in and of itself so, talk about horror phone jesus calls. jesus christ like, imagine fucking <laughs> harvey weinstein the actual monster of the universe calling oh, you. Ugh. man fuck that guy anyway uh so this movie starring nev campbell courtney cox david arquette um and the whole in terms of the saga this is like two years after the first um series of murders and sydney's kind of acclimating to college life and Someone comes back with the ghost face costume and begins a new kind of string of killings. So obviously this franchise, when you talk about phone calls, first one that comes to mind, um, the phone is everything in this, uh, series. The voice on the phone is everything. Uh, and it remains consistent across, uh, all four films that have happened and, uh, the fifth film, which is going to come out in a couple days here. Uh, seems like will be the case in so many amazing sequences uh, in this film. But the sequence that I elected to go with that I thought was super impactful for me, at least growing up um, is uh, the sequence with Cece, with uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar's character when she's watching uh, television at the Omega be- uh, Omega beta Zeta house. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she mm-hmm. keeps <laughs> answering the phone uh, in that way. And, um, that whole, that whole scene is great because, uh, we've talked about scenes of horror, um, throughout this discussion, you know, in silence of the lambs, when you know the killer and, uh, when a stranger calls, when you don't know the killer and in this, uh, in this sequence, it's interesting because you as the spectator know that there's something nefarious that's coming because you already had one movie to teach you that she feels like it's Ted, her boyfriend. And then you find it's not. So it's like this amalgamation, this like whirlwind, this tornado of like all these different scenarios and sequences that are uh, a potential and a, a possibility. Um, and the dialogue's great. And she kind of challenges him, which is what I love so, so much about um, every character Sarah Michelle Gellar plays like if you ask me who our dream guest on the show would be it's her like she's one of my favorites of all time for anything um please no one tell me that you think she's pretty cuz i'll fight you uh she's like one of my favorites but uh she fucking nails it in this and the whole sequence is great she challenges him she says why do you always ask a answer a question with a question i love how she's watching tv and flicking through horror movies um the fact that uh the phone keeps ringing uh the sorority sister comes, grabs the phone from her hand. He pretends to be Ted. She hands it uh, back to her. She leaves. The whole "don't forget to set the alarm" CC thing happens. There's static on the phone. She tries to call campus security. Like the whole, the whole sequence, the way it unfolds is is amazing. Um, and it wouldn't be as impactful as it as it is if uh, the first movie hadn't happened and you didn't walk into this knowing like, okay, this is a dynamic of the film. Yeah. Uh, so the runway was kind of like created and set. Uh, and the audience has like a form of intelligence uh, as they're kind of entering the scene. So I, that's, that's why I picked this as my number one. For and, uh, sure. But he also plays with you uh,
0: a little bit, you know, uh, for instance, so you, you, you kind of have that thing with Drew Barrymore, like they're certainly not going to kill Sarah Michelle Gellar off this early. Right. Uh, wow. so then the friend comes in and you're like, okay, God damn. Thank God. There's our safety. And then she's like, well, I'm off again. And you're like, wait, what you're leaving again. Uh, and then you're like, okay, well now she is going to die. Uh, so you kind of, yeah. you know, you kind of, you have that moment where you're like, no, oh, okay, okay. know, yeah, We're safe. And oh, fuck.
1: No, we're not. Yeah, dude. And this was 97. So I think this was when I know you did last summer came out, came out. Um, Oh, she was just, Buffy was already going, right? I think Buffy started in 97, oh. if I'm not mistaken. I know what you did last summer started in 97. And this, so, like, this was a big year for her.
0: Oh, so she was just, like, in the airplane waiting for it to so you, take I, off. I, yeah. And
1: Josh Hardnett was like, let me fuck up my hair a little <laughs> more so I can audition <laughs> for Halloween H2O. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. So that's my number one,
0: man. That's All right, so one. my number one is going to be none other than Scream Hello Hello Who is this? You tell me your name, I'll tell you mine <laughs> I don't think so What's that noise? Popcorn you making popcorn? Well, I'm getting ready to watch a video Really? What? just some scary movie You like scary movies? Uh-huh You never told me your name Why do you want to know my name? I want to know who I'm looking at Playing a deadly game. It all began with a scream over 911. Someone who's seen one too many scary movies. Now he's taken his love of fear. Hello? Hello, Sydney. One step too far. Like scary movies. What's the
1: point? They're all the same. Some stupid killer stalking some big-breasted girl who can't act. She's always running up the stairs and she should be going out the front door. It's insulting. There are certain rules that one must abide by. In order to successfully survive... 1996.
0: uh, My personal favorite horror movie. And, um... Cannot wait for Friday. But, uh, yeah. I mean, it's gonna be the intro film with Casey... Or the intro scene with Casey Becker. Um... This is where we are introduced to Roger Jackson. Um, his amazing fucking voice. You know, funny little side note is my son, the four year old tonight, was asking me what Ghostface sounded like. I was like, All right, well, I'll let you hear what he sounds like. Didn't play many clips, but what I did was I found this little YouTube like loop thing where it was just like all of Roger Jackson's like lines, like his big ones. So I was playing those for him, you know, like I, I obviously skipped over like when I'm I gonna skip yeah, like a fucking right, pig. But <laughs> yeah, that one. But like, you know, hello Sydney and shit like that. Which yeah. dude, didn't my son say uh hello Sydney? Hello, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyways, um getting off uh off topic here, but all right, so this is where Casey gets, you know, she's getting her popcorn ready. Uh, very much like you do, like around 11 p.m. Oh, dude. Like, got my popcorn, got my horror movie ready to go in. I'm on, uh, I'm and on she gets a, right and She's home alone. Her parents are out to dinner or whatever. And she's in the middle of fucking nowhere. Like this is farmland USA, it seems like. Uh, so she gets a phone call uh, from a seemingly like jovial guy, you know, just wants some info. Uh, she thinks it's the wrong number. She tells him politely wrong number. He calls back. Uh, keeps calling back. She engages in some conversation with him while her Jiffy Pop is blowing up. Um, he's asking her casual questions. Jiffy oh, Pop what are you doing? Up. Getting ready to watch a, a video. And uh, she tells him it's going to be a scary movie. Uh, everything kind of changes when uh, he says, I just want to know who I'm looking at. Yeah, oh, dude. That's where, like, dude, can you imagine? I can't even remember when I saw this for the first time, but I can't imagine the way that your stomach would fucking drop hearing that for the first time, let alone, you know, I'm talking as a viewer, let alone being Casey in that situation. Um, and she reacts as you would expect, you know, like, uh, what? Uh, and then he calls her Blondie, and that's when the entire thing Blondie. is fucking, it's over yeah. at that point, you know? So, Man. um then everything from that point on is just kind of like, you're fucked. I'm fucked. We're all fucked.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If I had to pick a, a phone conversation from this film, this would most certainly be a
0: Steve is 100% fucked. Um, yeah. I mean, I mentioned before we even started this that we could have done an entire episode on scream phone calls.
1: I think we might do that for Patreon. Actually, yeah, we, we should. Yeah. So uh, if you don't subscribe to our Patreon and you want to hear us talk about some more uh, terrifying phone calls yeah. specific to this franchise, uh, give us a ring at horrordad.com
0: Yeah. See what I do. Uh, but this scene, dude, like with the, you know, the popcorn adding tension that uh, Wes said he kind of used it as a, you know, a, a clock, like a uh, keep track of the tension. Um, just that, like the way that he, you know, like uh, she tells him like, uh, listen, asshole. When he calls back, and he's just like, "No, you listen, you little bitch." Yeah, you know, dude. it's like, "Oh fuck!" Like I'm gonna gut you like a fish. Like, can you fucking imagine that, dude? And he does. He follows on his promise. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is this is the real deal. Um, and this changed the game for pretty much
1: everybody. Yeah, th- this movie's everything to filmmakers, to directors, viewers. Yep. And this was, like, last uh, last point in time. And the, I feel like the Scream franchise did a good job of, like, adapting to, uh, techno, like, phone technology. Or For sure. at least incorporating it in the storyline. Uh, Scream 4 being, like, the most recent of it. So it'll be super interesting to see how Scream 5 does that. Um, Incorporation of, like, okay, yeah, you can't, like, not trace phone calls instantly anymore. It'll just be Zoom yeah.
0: with Ghostface on there. <laughs> Meet me at five o'clock. <laughs> Not five oh one. Yeah. Am I am I glitching? Is the internet okay? Hello
1: hello. well damn name. Yeah. Right. Uh, you don't have a good internet connection. I don't, I don't Who know do you problem. use? Spectrum? Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. This was great. This was ah, super dude, fun. So fun. I'm glad we did this idea. We've been talking about this one for uh like a year now. Yeah, wow. Yeah. And it just it felt fitting given uh the uh, the holy week coming up here so uh, we mentioned some new episodes we're going to drop got a lot of great guests coming up Um, so we'll continue to volley back between uh, Jamie and I episodes and then episodes we do with guests yeah Um, but if you guys have topics or ideas you want want to see explored um, hit us up let us know Uh, we're not we're not adverse to entertaining anything oh, at this point. So for sure.
0: And uh, if you're a newer listener, if this is one of the first episodes you've listened to, I encourage you to go back, check the back catalog. We have uh, it's the cusp of winter now, or some of you are already deep in the throes of winter. We had a really good winter episode that we did last year, yeah. winter war movies. So yeah, yeah I encourage you to go back. Year.
1: So uh, you can find us on social media, any of the platforms. Um, we're on uh, Instagram, Slasher, Facebook, and Twitter, all of those platforms, slash horror dads. Uh, again, you can visit our website to get to all those places as well horrordads.com or patreon.com slash horror dads. But thank you all for listening. We love you guys. Happy New Year. And uh, think twice before you answer the phone next time. You uh, might not know who's calling from that unknown number.
0: And uh, we will see you guys and in- enjoy Scream.